0: Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Luke Bodwine, an affective cognitive scientist focusing on cognitive productivity in his research, development, writing, and training services. How's it going, Luke?
1: It's going very well, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor to be here.
0: I am. I am happy to have you. We have so many topics to talk about. Your your research and your your focus on uh, co- cognitive productivity uh, encompasses a lot. Like, what's your background?
1: Right. So my yeah, my background is actually in. Cog- I've got a PhD in cognitive science. And it was kind of a strange PhD in a sense, because rather than focusing on a very narrow problem, I was interested in um, kind of the architecture of the entire human mind and kind of all its different functionalities. Um, And I looked at, uh, you know, in particular motivation from a very different perspective, from an AI perspective. So I I simulated how um, a human-like agent might uh, process goals. So that got me thinking of the entire mind. And then I actually worked in... uh, in, in uh, I worked for a semiconductor company, and I was a senior engineer, quote unquote, uh, at a, a, a telecom equipment manufacturer. I guess you can call it. Um, so I did all kinds of things, and I went back into uh, academia, heading up a, um, a large, uh, well, what became a very large uh, research and development uh, project. Actually, I was heading up the development side, working with a with an academic there, developing a huge. Um, learning system basically a system to help uh learners learn better and to help um educational psychologists study learning um so that and throughout this whole thing i've been interested in productivity from the very beginning when i started uh programming um and using an an emacs like editor called ved and realizing i can define my my funk my 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 well procedures in that in that language um yeah got me into uh, productivity so yeah it's kind of a um Uh, a huge mix of things, um, that, uh, that are brought to bear on that. But when I think about productivity, I, yeah, I do like to think of kind of the entire human mind, like not just the purely cognitive stuff, but also, um, motions and, and motivation
0: for the sake of clarity. Let's define productivity in your sphere. What does that mean? Wow.
1: Well, this is interesting. So, so basically the, it, it, for cognitive productivity, in particular, that's your your efficiency and your effectiveness at doing, you know, diff, three different sets of things, um, creating products, solving problems, and developing yourself. So I know that, you know, productivity is kind of a loose term. And actually, I was talking to a PhD in economics a couple of weeks ago about this, who had actually written on productivity and in knowledge work. And I said, it would be really interesting to you know, try to quantify this better. It's, it's obviously very hard to quantify and productivity specialists don't tend to be very quantitative, right? Um, but kind of, yeah, one key concept for me is that there's different categories of um, measures, basically, and and um, a lot of this is qualitative. And I focus a lot on, yeah, the, the quality of the productive output. I kind of bring, I try to bring it back to productiveness,
0: right? It's our ability to produce, See so today I uh I had uh, like great intentions of sitting down and working on code for a specific app and along the way I found a uh a a problem in my tag filing system oh yeah that then took up hours of my time and yeah. then I got a uh a little like a bug that I not I I don't um I, I was inspired to right. add a feature to an app that I hadn't planned to work on today at all. And right. in the process, I created some really cool things that will make me no money. Yes. And, and I would not, under most definitions of productivity, call today productive even though I produced all day. Right. So is there a qualifier on productivity that determines whether or not it is actually part of...
1: Well, actually this might bring us into this topic of the my self quantifier, uh kind of self quantification system. You know, we the you know, value is always relative. So I think what you're talking about is that that there's there's dimensions of value here. It says, Okay, how much value did I produce, right? Right. And if you're say working at McDonald's, they have a clear definition for you of what value is all about. Right. And what mm-hmm. productivity means. Um in knowledge work it's much more fluid. Um so it's up to us. I mean, there's nobody imposing this. There's not like a God out there that's defining value for us. We have to, it's our responsibility to define value ourselves. And the way I like to think about this is in terms of our projects. So since you're a big GTD person, you use, say OmniFocus, um, you, you you work with a whole bunch of projects. So, um, so that basically helps you to define value. It helps us to define value. Say okay what to what projects did my activities contribute so when I'm tracking my time I always track it with respect to projects so I'm always like to know okay what project is am I currently working on and the other thing that um, uh, that's worth quantifying or one of the other things is is what what activities we're engaged in if, if not quantifying or at least making a note of it so in my system I actually make an explicit note when I uh, switch activities or I tend to And then there's a whole bunch of parameters that go with each, each of those um, uh, things. Um, So, yeah, but then ultimately uh, it's up to oneself basically to decide, you know, what one should be working on and the value that things produce. But it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's not a solved problem. I think we all have to kind of intuitively come to terms with, with this and look at our projects and what we want to accomplish um, in a given week. And, uh, you know there's and strike that fine balance between being driven by our goals and and being uh, opportunistic. you know yeah. I've got a rule for instance that I try to learn something new every week on when I'm working on a computer. Uh, it's harder to do now um, but uh, it's something that I advise to people who are starting out like just just try learning something every week and actually make a note of it if you can. And then the next thing you know, after a few years, you're, you're a guru, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's important to continue to learn and tinker. And if you enjoy it, that's fun. But yeah, of course, it needs to be bounded. And I think, yeah, we're, um, we're all, many of us are challenged with that same problem that you face, which is, okay, how how deep do I go down this very intriguing rabbit hole? And how much value will I get out
0: of it, you know? I but think, you know there, yeah, go ahead. I think it's a really common question because like your average McDonald's worker is not reading productivity blogs when they get home, uh, because they already know the value of their work. And I think that the people who are most interested in the general idea of productivity are the ones who don't have immediate value on their work. Like there's like quantifiable value to what they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. Um, uh, Cal Newport has a a dictum basically is that uh, I saw it on his blog last year it's um, you know successful people focus on finishing projects and there's some good to that and there's some bad to that kind of uh, dictum you know one doesn't want to be too religious about it I think Um, but if you're focused on finishing projects it does tend to weed out a lot of activities right so in other words setting deadlines we know that setting deadlines is is um uh, is helpful for finishing certain projects you know and as i alluded to i think you know privately with you is that or on through emails is that um it's something that you know it's you know it's not it's not again it's not just told to us by god we have to make a decision based on you know about how much of our work do we want to be forward looking and how much needs to be Driven by immediate deliverables, and my strategy over the last number of years has actually been not Cal Newport's strategy. I've I've tried to find you know that largest amount of different kinds of ambitious projects that I can work on that are all interrelated, and 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 then we're going to see does it pan out, right? I'm I'm sometimes I feel like I'm teetering on the edge because well these these projects need to complete. You know, but I can see, for instance, 2017 is looking good in terms of a lot of things are coming together and these projects are closing and I can breathe a sigh of relief, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a challenge. I don't know that there's a there's, there's no objective answer. We have to we, you know, it's, it's a decision each one of us has to make.
0: So in your self quantification kind of system that you use personally. Yeah. What kind of metrics do you track?
1: Okay. So what I would look at, I've actually adopted um the deep work concept last year. I'm I'm playing with that. And that's I don't know if you've covered this on your blog previously. Did you cover Cal Newport's or I mean no. on your podcast. Okay. So 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 Cal Newport published a book last year called Deep Work and he argued that um you know to be well, I would say cognitively productive And I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't bring that framework to bear on his work because it's actually relevant. It was published before his book, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But anyways, he's got this, uh, you know, it's clued in on the fact that that the amount of work that we spend in highly focused activities, doing highly demanding cognitive work free of distraction is a great Uh, predictor and it's also creator of success it's a it's a predictor and creator of flow you know those pleasurable experience we have in our peak performance you know it and it makes sense that it should this should actually be um, uh, a very um, helpful thing so what's that so it's basically focused focused cognitive activity so I try to keep an eye on that Um, and the other thing I do is I look at uh, you know overall time spent working and I look at, uh, you know, how much time I've spent in each uh, project. But I, I must say that, you know, people differ. I've noticed there's some people that are really bent on numbers. They're quantification people. And I'm not one of those people. I've developed my quantifier to get some quantitative handle. But I always find myself looking at the qualitative side. Like projects, for instance, that's, that's qualitative, right? What projects am I working on? So, I yeah, so that's that, that's basically what I track. And I also look at activities. For instance, I've, I I log my sleep, <laughs> right? So I know how much yeah. time I, I sleep. Um, and, and in terms of my logging, I'm actually quite meticulous about it. When I, say, walk away from my desk, I immediately um, – I tend to. I mean, I make errors sometimes, but I, I stop logging. I spent two years logging just about everything I was doing just to see – just to get an idea of, okay – because I was developing the system. I thought, ah, this is work, you know. <laughs> It'll pay off one day, you know. So uh, so I, I log quite a bit. Now I, I don't log everything, but I do tend to log um, a lot of what I do, particularly with respect to projects, yeah.
0: Do you log what else is going on, though? See, I've found I can easily log what I worked on, and I can easily yes. find where my most productive times were. But my, th- what I'm trying to do right now is to figure out why they happen, which – In order for me to collect relevant data not knowing you know what is potentially relevant i have to collect all the data and that is i've automated that as much as possible yeah um yeah like oh actually one of my top picks is going to get into how i'm how how i've automated my sleep tracking okay um uh, to to a ridiculous level oh Uh, cool (laughs) But, like, to me, it comes down to, like, everything I eat, everything I drink, uh, every time I exercise, how long I exercised, how intense the exercise was, all of that immediately ties into, and those are, like, short-term results in general. Like, I can immediately say, okay, there was an exercise block here, and then following that, I had a a burst of productivity, of, of really solid work time. Right. um we'll say quality work time because there are times yes. I'll work for 8 hours and <laughs> not have anything right. to show for it. Sure. But um we'll but then there are longer term things that, you know, could could affect me 2 or 3 days later that I just have not been able to get to a point where like I don't have time to write down everything right. I I intake or everything I do. No, of course.
1: Well, my take on that is it sounds like what you're doing is is going beyond like you're going you're doing science in a sense but it's a case study right and 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 that i mean you know people have argued this i remember hearing a a rashly speaking podcast argument about this and they're saying well well the pro is that you're an individual you know the general science will never be able to describe you perfectly so you might as well collect your own data then the scientists would look at it and say you know it's really hard to get to make inferences from individual studies so I would say um, – I, I don't know. My personal take on it is I'm not looking at it that – personally, I don't look at it that way. I'm not trying to do, in quote-unquote, induction. What's induction? It's just a scientific process of going from particular data to a more universal uh, thing, a more universal proposition. So um, my mind just doesn't work like that, and that's why I tend to do mostly theory, and and I develop products. Um and I work with others to do the, uh, the the actual data collection part. So I'm not, I'm really like i and it's interesting. I've seen it. People are different. Like it's just a different preference. Most mm-hmm. scientists actually tend to be inductivists. So they would do that. They would collect the data and then try to find a pattern, and then you know go from there. Um, I'm looking at it more as a. I use it for a re, as as retrospective, and this ties into something really interesting about. Um, about consciousness and the human mind and it's something that gets alluded to often but hasn't really been properly articulated I think in the productivity literature I tried to do it in a little bit in in my first book and that is the importance importance of review well actually I as I was saying that I was thinking well the 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 David Allen stuff does look at that um, although it doesn't tend to it hasn't really articulated the cognitive side very well but it does it does Uh, talk about the weekly review and that's very that's very important um i there's something that magical that happens when we re-examine our performance in a period of time that leads that can lead to uh progressive mental change and athletes do that and professional sports people what do they do they play a game they look at the tape of the game and they analyze it yeah right so so there's something that can come come out of that so i I, I do some of this uh retrospective but it's not actually that quant personally I don't do it in a quantitative way I think it's it's hard to find that uh to find personally I find it hard to find the patterns.
0: So I want to tell you about how how I handle reviewing. Okay. Um it, for my workday which is entirely spent on my computer. Yes. Uh, the club. First I use an app called Timing and right. uh it's an amazing app that tracks like every app you have open, what you did while you were in that app, what documents you had open for how long, and it can provide you with graphs by time and by, by app quantities and things. Yeah, um, I use that too by the way. Have you used the beta?
1: Yeah, I'm using it. I, yeah, the beta I'm liking the beta.
0: I am very excited about timing too, which is currently yeah. in beta. Um, yeah, I love it. but then my other trick is I I every time I finish working on a particular product Project. I almost always have to make a git commit and I've learned to make very detailed notes in my git commits, which involves going through and seeing the diffs of everything that I've touched and changed and being able to then explain in natural language why and what I did. Um, and then in addition to that, I save everything I work on in a day to my desktop, not to a project folder. So then at the end of the day, I can go through and tag each file. And then my system automatically moves tagged files out into a folder hierarchy. But wow. that process makes me take a look at everything that I've done for the day. And wow. even if I'm not recording that, just the review, the daily review, yeah. I, I I will have worked on stuff in the first half of the day that I will completely forget by the end of the day. So if if I'm going to know what I finished during the day, that's how I do it.
1: Wow. So yeah, daily review. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's, um, that's awesome. That's system that I don't have. I, I do other forms of review, but, um, not, not looking at all the files that I've touched. Um, but you know, I think for reading, for instance, it's helpful to look back at your reading. It's so easy to forget what you've read. I mean, we're using Pinboard or whatever to tag our stuff, and then poof, it's gone. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, I've been um, doing a lot with, uh, well, yeah, both reading and then tracking browser history. Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a plugin for Chrome now that does full text search on my entire browser history and so i can uh i can quickly retrieve things that i kind of remember reading but then lost yeah i've come up with a lot of tricks to deal with my adhd brain super
1: well you know (laughs) what i think what you're what you're talking about is stuff that um stuff that we all need um yeah it's, it's the reading part is um i think it's it's very important i'd love to see some research on it there's not nothing that i know of um and there's such there's a lot of potential for this i mean there's a lot of bemoaning the fact that we're all driven to distraction right but um what can what can we do about it i think there are things that we um that we can do
0: have you used exist no exist.io uh it's a pretty cool self-quantification app that taps into things like social media and your like last fm and your uh, Apple Watch health data and kind of builds its own correlations for you and then you can kind of uh journal in it as well right. take notes on mood and what happened it's i i like that and then i use or i wrote the slogger script that works right. with uh day one and in, incorporates all of your online presence into kind of daily journals which i've also found That what I tweet during a day, I can look at a year later, and it will bring back a memory of what was going on at that time. There's a lot of data in my brain associated with things as simple as tweets. That's so
1: interesting because memory is so cue-driven. And then the question is, what cues should we use? So if you could use your your tweets, and one one of the things I find difficult about Twitter is... Is you know keeping track of the tweets, so I actually make i know I don't tweet that much, so I can do this for somebody else it'd be hard you know when I tweet I will often put it in a folder and i got a system that put puts things in the right folder by uh year month uh day and so I. you know so i, I could could do that but it it's hard to go through the you know i I just dislike web interfaces I'm a desktop person
0: yeah well I use um i f t t t Anytime I post to Facebook or Twitter, it creates a daily log of oh. all posts for me. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I must say I really admire the amount of productivity programming you do and all these cool things that you create. I- I've worked as a programmer, but you know, and I know programming is so good for the brain, but I don't do that much of it, and um, I wish I did, but I just. I think it would be the straw that broke the camel's back. I, when I was when I was working for a baddest, uh, sorry, a, classic, a tech startup in uh, uh, around the turn of the millennium, I I was I was leading a team of probably about twelve people, and I was coding away, and my manager came up to me and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm just uh, you know fixing this bug or something." He said, "Don't do that. <laughs> Go ask somebody to do that." But you know. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we're anyways, I'd love to be doing it now. And I know it's great. And I loved it. So I I miss it. And it's one of those things I was doing. Actually, just writing a chapter of that new book, um, Cognitive Productivity for Mac OS. And there's a lead section. And it says you need to. It's a good idea to write your dreams down. And uh, just occurred to me that I should make sure that that's on my dream list. I need to get back to that.
0: Anyway, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so you're I think. Your quantification system is pretty well spelled out in my self-quantifier. Is that fair to say? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there is. You know what? There's the help file, isn't there? I don't know why I've postponed that so much. Actually, it was partly because I wasn't getting any demands. Nobody was saying... You know, hey Luke, I need to see that. So I thought, well, I've put a lot of work into this. Let's wait till somebody actually asks for it. Um, so there's a missing help file, but there's several tabs. I go into the rationale into a lot of detail. I think it's, uh, well, personally, you know, talk about my own stuff here. <laughs> no, I think it's an interesting take on on productivity. Uh, yeah. uh, on sorry, on self
0: quantification. Right. Um,
1: and I'd love to get some feedback on it.
0: Yeah, I will. Uh, there will be a link to that project in my show notes. Um, okay. But yeah, it's spreadsheet based right
1: that's the thing it's spreadsheet based now I do use timing I love it what I love the most about it is the timeline and it replaces track time that I've been using for years but hasn't been supported yeah. and was a big memory hog you know that one eh um, so uh, and I love that and I actually wrote to uh, Damien Alms the maker of timing uh, years ago I kept emailing him love to see the timeline love to see a timeline he's put it in and I'm just so grateful the other things are cool um, and I think a lot of people get a, get a lot of mileage out of them, but I find the effort for me that would be required to actually automate my tr- tracking would be very high. So I, you know, I think it's cool to use that, but I I like to have my projects to express my projects using text expander, old fashioned Unix paths, and it has disadvantages. I can't just move a project, you know, and rename it. So it's that that's parts a little bit tedious. But that gives me perfect control. And I, the machine does not need to guess what project I'm on. I mean, I'm ultimately the arbiter of what project I'm on. Moreover, you know, I, I know that the automating people will say, I'll let the app do it for you. But my take on it, and it's something that requires research, my take on it is that the very act of consciously saying, I am on this project. Now I have switched to this project. Um, I think that is not a waste of time. For because the major, let's face it, one of the major problems we face is being distracted. So mm, the the my self quantifier system actually folks uh, forces you to be more conscious of your projects. So I don't think it's a it's not a negative, but no, I, for some people it may
0: be a negative. I think a hybrid approach is, is required. Um, yeah. I I think the thing I like about timing is that if I tell myself I'm starting a project, but then timing catches me on Facebook. Yes it's going to automatically subtract that from my overall productive time because I can tell it that if you see the word Facebook in a URL, mark oh, that as 0% productive time. Yeah. And you can like you can you can add things like this is potentially 50% productive. So if you see yeah. this keyword yeah. and it'll yeah. it'll uh it'll do all the math on that for you. Yeah. Which I good. do appreciate. But I I do think that having some input is vital. Uh, I think just the act of, like you said, saying you're working on a project. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. why I wrote doing. Have you ever seen doing?
1: Ooh, I might have seen it and forgotten it's it. It's a
0: command line tool that you can type like um, doing working on Mark II, and it'll start a timer. And when you say doing done working on Mark II, yeah. it will, you know, add like basically a time log entry. Right. So that you can then uh, at the end of the day, you can say doing recent and it'll show you what you worked on for how long uh, and you can add tags and things. It it got cool. pretty, uh, pretty complex sure. for a simple CLI that was just supposed to like I wrote it because I would get distracted, realize I was getting distracted yep. and know myself well enough to know that I would get distracted enough to forget what I was working on. So yeah. it was simply supposed to remind me what the last thing I was working on before I took off yeah. on a new mental path was, yes, uh, but then it developed into this whole quantification time tracking system
1: I need to look at that i I may have seen it on your site, but because there's so much stuff there, I need to look at it it's 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 really a very sounds like it's very much in a in the same spirit um so so that looks cool and it, and so far as the timing thing i I use it, I go back to it i love it I love the I just love the timeline. I mean, it's great because research has shown that we just forget what the heck we were doing. I mean, you're not alone. I'm not alone. This is the way the mind works because there was no reason to forget it evolutionarily. I didn't need, didn't need to know. I mean, time wasn't even in. I mean, time is a recent invention for crying out loud. You know. <laughs> um, so I mean, uh, but you go back to your timeline and say, ah, that is when I I went off track and and that means that it, that gets subtracted so i say okay well i actually stop working on this particular project at a certain time and then i know at the end of the day when i look at that core value how much deep work how much work did i do that you know i'm i missed out so i got fewer marks actually you know what i've started doing and this i think is so cool i'd love to see a research project on this it's i have a colleague who um an emotions colleague and she and i have started swapping emails at the end of the day How much time do we spend on deep work? How much time do we spend on work? That's it. That focuses your attention. It's not a competition. It's not meant to be a competition, but it makes it social because let's face it, a lot of us, we're working by ourselves, you know? Even if there's somebody sitting right next to you, he might be on a totally different project, right? Um, So you got somebody who's in Europe and at the end of the day, totally different time zone. This is it. This is my time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So... We have so many topics and so little yeah. time. Uh, the I, I do. I want to talk about sleep. Sure. Um, you have done a lot of research and even app development in the areas of sleep onset and insomnia. Well, let's start with what. What is your general focus in that area?
1: Currently, or I mean, this. Okay, so let's the project itself. Really, what I've done because I'm. Okay, so academically, I'm a cognitive scientist. I'm a broad cognitive scientist. We said that before. So I'm not actually trained as a sleep researcher. It's something I got into that I was always fascinated with. A particular aspect of sleep, which is um, the actual sleep onset period. So that's there's that critical phase when you flip over from being awake to being asleep, and sometimes, and that's it's not a it's not binary. They used to think it was binary. Now they think there's like nine stages to falling asleep. And there's a stage right in the middle. Anyway, there's various stages within falling asleep. So I am focused on that. And I thought if I could focus on that critical, you know, depending, could be as short as 90 seconds even, that critical period of time during the day when we tra- when the brain transitions from wake to sleep, if I could really understand that. I might be able to do something to improve the process, particularly if I re, reverse engineer it. So my approach is artificial intelligence. Not, I'm not so interested in the um, applied AI. I'm more interested in, or not in the directly applied AI. I'm interested in, in um, using the AI approach to understand how the human mind works. But once you've got that then you can engineer not just software but you can engineer techniques that people can use to affect themselves so the sleep things an example of that all my cognitive productivity stuff is an example of that so yeah i'm interested in that core thing and and when that gets stretched out then you got insomnia so so i i i basically looked at it, tried to reverse engineer what uh, those me- i tried to reverse engineer the mechanisms that the brain evolved in humans in particular as we developed all this cortex and yet, still needed to do what primitive, more primitive animals uh, did and do, which is transition from wake to sleep. So I, I looked at that and I came up with a, a theory about sleep onset and a technique, uh, a set of techniques, really that 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 plays on that theory. So it's really
0: theory-driven application. Is this technique what evolved into my sleep button?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So 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 yeah, I developed this technique, which is basically involved. It involves shuffling your thoughts. And in particular, uh, serial diverse imagining, which is to kind of imagine one thing after another where these things are diverse and not really that related to each other, and then another and another. And that's meant to both flush the insomnolent, what I call insominal content, the, the kind of arousing content, mental content that might keep you awake, while also tricking your brain into feeling that it is entering into that sweet kind of state process of falling asleep which researchers have found actually often involves uh, mental imagery but it's not your this, the mental imagery you have is not like your your the dreams that you have in the middle of the night they're they're more fluid diverse etc so so I thought well if we could do this what I just described we would both turn off the wake signals that the brain gives itself while applying the sleep signals that the brain gives itself And that's actually I've gone a step ahead here. And I basically said that the drowsy, this a hypothesis could be completely wrong, but it's a theory. So I'm inviting people to test it. And that's what we're doing. It's that my hypothesis is that the drowsy kind of sleeping that we experience at sleep onset is not merely a consequence of the brain's shutdown procedure. It's also used as a cue to um, to the brain's sleep onset control mechanism to say, hey, what guess what? It is okay. It is kind of a license to fall asleep. And so lower parts of the brain, which cannot decode exactly what you're thinking, okay, and which ult- and these lower parts ultimately decide whether you fall asleep, they, I conjectured, have some kind of a sense through some kind of control sig- or some kind of state signals that your brain is, your cortex basically is involved in this kind of drowsy-like state. It doesn't know what the heck you're thinking. It can't. A rat can't Decode the kind of thinking you and I do, right? right? So, and 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 the brain, the sleep onset centers are that old evolutionarily and that primitive, but maybe they can tell that there's kind of mind wandering going on. So, deliberate mind wandering is, is meant to emulate that. So, the the getting back to my sleep button, it 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 basically facilitates this process because it's actually hard to do this kind of thing, you know. And unless you're on drugs, or you know, you've been hit by <laughs> a log or something. Odds are when you're in that mental state, you're falling asleep. So it's actually a good – so my theory says, hey, you know what? That's a really good cue for that primitive sleep onset control system to take amongst many cues. Like the sleep onset control system is actually quite sophisticated. It uses a bunch of cues which ultimately need to make it decide that, that it is okay to fall asleep. It is safe to fall asleep. It is appropriate to fall asleep. So yeah, my sleep button basically uh, plays a whole bunch of content that you can imagine one after another. And yeah, so my research is about uh, testing that hypothesis. We're into our third study now. Uh, study so far so good, and uh, and and I've this has generated a whole bunch of new research questions, and I've this permitted me to develop new extensions to this application. We have more stuff in the works coming on, like based basically, you know, trying to leverage. Sleep science, which has now become cognitive science, because sleep had never really been looked at, or at least sleep onset and insomnia from a real cognitive science perspective. I think I was the first person to do that. So it opens up this whole new approach. And we're using that, we're mining that to get to 100%. Because, you know, my sleep button is a great tool, but like any tool, it doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work all the time, even for people for whom it does work. So my goal is to get to 100%. I know I'll never get there, (laughs) but (laughs) there's nothing that gets there. There's no drug. There's no cognitive technique, et cetera, that gets us to 100%. So my sense is, it's too early to say, but my sense is that we can do very well. And this is my sense is whatever. This is the approach we need to take for that part of the sleep treatment, the sleep kind of hygiene, um, you know, whatever we get to implement and prescribe to people. You know, we've got to get that nailed. And it wasn't previously looked at tightly enough. So, so yeah, I'm very, you know, I'm just one person. I'm doing tons of things, but I have to be very focused. So my my approach for all these things is to s- try to take a sledgehammer of science to uh, and, and and to develop a nail essentially, which is a very simple technique that that you know when you apply the science to it, you just go bang and it goes in and it does the job. So that's my approach for sleep onset. It's my approach for learning. Uh, it's my approach for emotions. That um, kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: So. I don't know anything about the multiple stages of falling asleep. However, I was just talking to someone today who who verified my own experiences and yeah. realizing that as you lay down and you're thinking about, you know, whatever your brain decides to latch on to, um you'll notice if you're paying attention that right when your thoughts start getting weird, right when if right. you were truly alert, you'd be like, "Why?" did that just happen in my brain that happens before you actually your brain starts sending out the you know signals that make your body your muscles relax the chemicals serotonin whatever releases um like that yeah. hap- that moment it, it can sometimes it's 10 seconds sometimes it's 5 yeah. minutes but that moment where your thoughts get really weird yeah immediately seems to precede your body actually Getting into a sleep state. I. Uh, OK. I, I like well, that. I like that space a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, there's so many things we can do without drugs, you know, and have a good and then you introspect on that. And it's cool. And I love it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's cool about it, it's, it's kind of like a nirvana state because sleep is again, it's when your brain makes this decision, and it's a computational decision. Like the bet is this is a safe time. Right. Right. So I think in that sense, it should be normal that we should experience some pleasure. Right. And then you're a very cognitive person. You're a very metacognitive person. So, yeah, you could totally trip out on that. But, yeah, <laughs> there are several different stages. Um, and actually, then this was really only recently understood and discovered, discovered and understood is that is that the entire brain doesn't shut down at the same time. So that's an example of it not being binary. And and it explains a lot of things. You know, you get there's part of your hypothalamus that sends a signal down to your uh, to your um, brainstem saying, you know, it's, okay, it's shut down time. Um, your your thalamus, which is part of your brain that controls, that's basically the relay system to all the sensation, right? Uh, so your perceptual sensation from the world, that kind of starts shutting down. And basically, the cortex is then left in its own state floating around, right? Doing whatever it wants to do. So this can actually Go on for a little while, where the cortex is merely going along thinking whatever, right, and then the rest of the brain is like in way into the shutdown procedure so so yeah there's no there's from a scientific perspective there's no moment when you fall asleep there's just these different things like look at the brain the billions of neurons like uncountable number of synapses it's it's in many states at any given time it's in many states, so even those sleep stages are. You know, their textbook, it's just like the brain, like the brain itself. We think of the brain as, okay, everybody's got these frontal lobes and he's got these da, da, da. Actually, when you look at individual brains, they, you just look at them and this, these are different. I used to do rat surgery. I mean, even looking at different rat brains and they're simple. It's like, they're not the same. They don't have a lot of cortex, but they're not all the same. I digress.
0: (laughs) So back to my sleep button. I yeah. talk about it all the time. I'm certain it's been a pick on oh, here at least a couple of times. Um, it it works. Like, I, <laughs> if it's a data point that helps your study, it is the one you. thing. I am not good at going to sleep. I, mm-hmm. you know, I sometimes if I feel tired, I'll, I'll listen to, like, pieces right. and just nice, peaceful mm, kind of background music with binaural beats in it and that yeah. that goes into a pleasant sleep but if i can't fall asleep or if i don't even feel like going to bed but i know i need to my sleep button does it every time that's I, awesome i i like the drawing like where yeah. it says words and then i draw them in my mind and then it just keeps interrupting my drawings and it, you know in if you explain that to me without me trying it i yeah. would think that just sounds frustrating that would keep me awake (laughs) yeah but it doesn't it's usually five words in and i'm like already going off into that where i don't even hear the voice anymore
1: that's that that's awesome to hear and from an academic side i can't say well i get tons of feedback like that but as a entrepreneur i can say we get a lot of feedback like that um you know there's here i'll give you a tip because we're going to do this later and it doesn't really require a change of um much of a change in the app but we do need to go through the content it's not really a tip it's a it's a you know i'll tell you where we're going there's um there's a new mode i would like to introduce called um well it doesn't necessarily have a name now but i'm thinking of tracing and instead of drawing you imagine yourself tracing like actually putting your hand on the objects like i've got a desk here right i'm at a desk and i'm touching it right yeah and i gotta do it that's this occurred to me actually and I won't go into the details but it's based on a theory of consciousness Um, and it's just such it's just a lower level cognitive action that one can perform it's easier than drawing because yeah drawing could be frustrating I haven't got this feedback but I would imagine some people would find it frustrating I think if they find it frustrating they don't try it therefore they don't mail me about it but anyway (laughs) and you don't but but tracing I've got it I want to run a study on this I want to put it in my sleep button because it's so much more primitive. Everyone can do it. And it's I love the kinesthetic. We're working on well, I am on the research side, a bunch of kinesthetic kind of imagination activities that people can do. And this one, I'm so eager to run an experiment. My bet is this is this is going to be very helpful. So what we need to do in designing these packs is to come up with come up with content that's very imaginable. Uh sorry, very traceable. Like you can't do this with government. You can't you can't even do it with like certain things that are body things because you don't want to be inappropriate like things that are okay for drawing might not be okay for just touching like that I don't know so we have to go through the content and give slightly different instructions anyway if any of uh, your listeners tries that out and it works for them or it doesn't we need to know if it doesn't too then they can send me an email (laughs) or you can send me an email if you try yeah
0: no I'm excited to try that all right I, I, I think yeah I think we have to switch to the top three picks now okay I, there were so many more topics. You, you may have to do a second episode.
1: I'd love to be on. We've got some stuff coming out next, uh, later this year. So maybe we could uh, time it with that or whenever you want. I, as I said, it's an honor and a privilege to be here.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we we will figure that out because there, we got through, I think maybe 20% of the, <laughs> the topic list I had. So that will happen. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the top three picks. One okay. at a time, back and forth. You get to start.
1: Omni Outliner. All right. I live, I live, breathe, think in Omni Outliner. I, I have been using Outliners since more two. She might. Well, actually, maybe that's even before your time, because I think I'm older than you. So that's in the 1980s. Um, and it's just such a great way to think. I know like a lot of people like the visualizers. Um, I'm a I'm an Outliner person. When I I got a bunch of templates. Actually, I talk about it in this new book that's coming out. I give screencasts for this. A bunch of templates. When I start anything, any writing project, I just drag the. You would have this programmed. I just drag the, uh, drag these templates, a copy of the templates into my, um, into new folder, and one, and they're all they're mostly OmniOutliner docs, and I write in Markdown for the most part. But yeah, OmniOutliner.
0: Okay. Um, I'm curious. Did you did were you a KGTD guy?
1: No, I don't even know if I know what KGTD is. Um, it was a. Oh, is it a getting things done version?
0: Thing? Yeah, it was for. It was built for. I think I'm remembering the name right, but it was built for um, Kinkless. That's what it was called, Kinkless GTD. It was okay. built for Omni Outliner, oh. and it was basically like a hack of Omni Outliner into a GDD <sighs> system. Yeah, and this is this is I believe why Omni Focus was created.
1: Yes, I I was right there. I was doing I I was doing GTD and or some of the concepts. I'm not a I'm not pure with GTD, but definitely some of the concepts are super powerful and I use them. Um, And yeah, for sure. I was using Omni Outliner for, you know, uh, that way. Yeah, I wasn't using that app. I was using I was just using it myself. And as a matter of fact, you know what? One of my one of these template files that I'm talking about is actually a plan file. I use OmniFocus. I've got an insane number of OmniFocus windows open at any time, and uh, but I also rely on OmniOutliner still for planning because that can capture things that are harder to express in um, in in, in OmniFocus. So That's, I still use it.
0: Yeah. I uh, I can't I can't think in outlines. I've learned that about oh. myself. There's a, there's an app for Mac called Tree that is okay. a horizontal outliner. And somehow yeah. I find that easier. It feels more like mind mapping to me. Yeah, yeah. But I, ju- I just don't think top to bottom, left to right. I, Yeah. I do way better with mind maps where I can just kind of see things all at once, scattered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> scattered yet organized, much like my life.
1: Ah, you know, it's just so interesting. I remember a psychologist writing once, you know, Forget the intercultural differences or inter, you know, like the compare Chinese with American or whatever, all that stuff. What's really fascinating is the individual differences, you know. And I, I've tried. I'm on the, I'm kind of on the other side of this. I've tried to do the graphical stuff. I know I should think more graphically. I've got projects to become more of a visual person. I did. I aced geometry a long time ago, but somehow, I find it difficult to tap into my visual brain. I know it would be better. So, you know, the guilt feelings are on either side. Like, I, I just, I just, my brain is, it outli- it's an outlining brain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So my first pick is going to be an app that I kind of alluded to earlier. It's called AutoSleep. Okay. And it is an iPhone app that works with the Apple Watch, although it does not actually have an Apple Watch version. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need it. It interfaces with the basic uh, health data from the watch. And it automatically determines at what point you lay down, at what point you fall asleep. And then using your heart rate determines Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the depth of your sleep throughout the night. And so when you wake up, it'll show you uh, uh, the default chart is around a clock face. And it'll show you with varying degrees of blue, the points where you were in deep sleep, the points where you came up, the points where you actually woke up. Yes. Yes. And then, so you get like a, a bar chart in circular format, but mm. then you can also break it down to different visualizations. But yeah. I am loving the fact that I don't have to remember mm. to turn on a tracker and yes. my, my Apple watch series two can charge in yep. an hour and last for two yes. days. So yes, I don't have to leave it charging all night. This has been, yeah, yeah, Auto sleep has been um, great, even if it's just for nerdy purposes. The amount of data it mm-hmm. provides me is great.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try. I have tried Sleep Cycle, which is supposed to do yeah. the same thing, maybe, yeah. but it hasn't. Um, like I just the data just incorporate because I am so I'm such a tracker to begin with, and I'm not gonna depend on a at this point anyway. I mean, I'd love to it for sleep. Like, why should I have to write this down? But anyway, so I compared compared it with my own data, which I know are correct, and uh, it wasn't lining up, so I gave up. Uh, But maybe autosleep will do a better job.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to know if if your results are similar. Okay. All right. Super.
1: Okay. So you want my next? Yes, I do. Okay. So uh, my ceramic cup. (laughs) I sent you a picture. Yeah. I love it. I just, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have realized it as much I wouldn't have realized it crisply if you hadn't asked me for my favorite things, but I, I was just downstairs, uh, make, fixing myself some lunch and reaching for my, my favorite cup. And then I thought this, this, it's always associated with pleasure, you know, <laughs> either sure. eating, either, either eating or I'm at, I'm at my desk and it's a special one because it's not a mug. If there's something, you know, if I'm not putting it in a mug, it's because I really want to enjoy it now before it gets cold. There's going to be some mindfulness involved and, I, I enjoy... I spend a lot of time at my desk. I enjoy being here. <laughs> so it's all positive. Um, so it's my mug. Do
0: yeah. you know Do you know where these came from?
1: Oh, I think they were from Ikea. And there's vertical bar and horizontal bars on this. And my wife uses... Has a horizontal bar one. So I could... It just settles it. It's my favorite <laughs> cup. <laughs> and when she's gone, however... Which she's often gone. She goes to Costa Rica, all these different places... You know, I get to use her cups too.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll see if I can track those down on the IKEA store. Give I think, a link. I think
1: I'll find out and I can send you an email where she, where, where she got that.
0: All right. So, my second pick is it's a product called Quick Peek. Okay. And it you can either print or buy packs of little QR code labels and then the app on the iPhone simply lets you you take a picture of everything you're putting into a box one at a time Yeah. and then once it's in the box you stick one of these labels on it and you scan the label and it puts it in a database and says these are the things that are in this box so then when you're walking around your storage room you can just hold your phone up to a box it'll scan the label and show you visually and with any notes a, a list of contents of that box
1: that's crazy
0: when I last time I moved, I attempted to make manifests for every box.
1: Oh, good luck! Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I have horrible writing, so it was impossible mm. to read. And I also, in the process of packing, it becomes very easy to forget individual things. Or yeah. you you write down a general term. This stuff is in here, but yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so I'm really in love with this idea right now. I have not actually used it, but it is for my next. Storage slash moving Moving day, I want to have this.
1: We've all been there. And you know, the older we get, the more difficult it is to remember these things. Like, I I just... I'm not looking forward to the next move. Um, But maybe (laughs) this will make it easier.
0: (laughs) Well, and I have have had to confront my systems from a decade ago, which now mean nothing. Uh, So something that was just clearly a very... Easy to work with database, I feel would be far longer lasting than whatever system I come up with at any given time. Of course, then you deal with you know we might not have iPhones in ten years or apps sure. we have now won't run. And kind of like a one oh. of my one of my systems was all Evernote based, and I don't use Evernote oh. anymore, so that's gone. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've,
1: I've, yeah, Evernote, I've, I've, yeah, that actually, I've, I've been, well, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've got a system I've got something coming out and uh, I saw that one coming I didn't I didn't I didn't take the bait um, and I um, yeah yeah it's one of the things from the calling productivity book is the uh, yeah it's it's basically doing uh, there are ways to get the benefits of Evernote without having to use Evernote I think but it's got so much stuff in it I know mean, oh, it's a huge draw uh, but whatever anyway that was not the topic <laughs> the topic right. was quick peek okay thank you yes okay my next one is is an app that I use every day which I've been using for years now. And I had been looking at this and I'm very interested in this. It's called Anki. It's a flashcard system, but I use it as a productive practice system. It's available for free on a Mac, free on Windows, free on Android, Payware on iOS. That's his business model. Um, and it's it, there are many flashcard systems out there. This one is probably the most flexible programmable etc um and you know in my cognitive productivity book i went out i talked about uh, this concept of productive practice basically it's one of my things i say that if you look in every area of expertise apart from knowledge work you find that practice is is emphasized quite a bit like athletes practice p you know, they have to practice, even medical doctors, I've got a friend who works and he's an emergency pediatrician. They practice CPR, you know, because they might not get have to use it. They practice uh, things, k- kinds of cases that don't regularly show up so that when they do, they can respond um, appropriately, right? Yeah. Um, so I've spent a lot of my time thinking about this ever since I was in high school, actually, because that's when I kind of fell on, I quote unquote discovered, I found that um, wow, practicing is really a powerful way not just to remember things but to understand them. And uh, even I tried to show that it goes beyond understanding. I think we can develop emotionally and uh, effectively, motivationally through practicing. Anyway, so Anki is the app that I use for that. And I must say the user interface is going to put Mac users right off. They're going to try this and say, oh, that's not for me. I'm I'm actually an Apple user. Uh, but it's the best out there. So for me, it's the tool to use.
0: I, uh, I, I think my first introduction to Anki was from from a marked user who was looking for a way to script integration using Markdown and Anki. And I don't remember what came of that, but I did take a look into it, storage formats and everything. It it's yeah, it's not gorgeous, but it seems very powerful. Nice, oh, with LaTeX support and everything.
1: Oh, it's huge, and it's written in Python. Uh, the person who developed it was not a programmer; he was teaching Japanese, but he found it useful for himself and his clients, and uh, and then and got demand for it, and just give he would give it away for free, and then realized, hey, there's a business here. The iPhone came out, and uh, and then uh, yeah, he's been focusing on this, so uh, yeah, and yeah, great, uh, very interesting.
0: Nice. All right. So my last pick of the day is, it's called Hackster.io. I believe it was inspired by my last guest's love of um, kind of hacking websites, uh, hardware hacking stuff. Um, But uh, Hackster is a community dedicated to learning hardware, and it's got a ton of... uh, both community stuff and then tutorials and, huh. let's see, uh, getting started with Bluetooth low-energy, building a weather box. Cool. Uh, and it's it's well-organized. This pick was suggested by Jacqueline in the Systemcast Slack room. Uh, if you want to join and toss in picks there, I'll put a link thought- in the show notes. Super. I'll send you a direct invitation. And, uh, yeah, so thanks to Jacqueline for this. I've, I've spent some time, I spent some time on it, realizing how much time I don't have to do all these Mm. amazing things I would love to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what happens. I'm looking at the site. It's beautiful. I mean, I just like, it's so inviting when you get to, and it tells you, it gives you a pretty good clue what it's about.
0: I, yeah, there's a project on here called smart bowl for pets. Mm. an internet connected bowl for pets with consumption <laughs> monitoring and an automatic refilling gizmo.
1: <laughs> I don't even have a pet and I should get that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should make one for people consumption monitoring.
1: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, kidding.
0: no, there's a lot of fun stuff on here with flow awesome. instructions and yeah.
1: Raspberry pie. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the end of the episode. Uh first thanks for being here. Let's,
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, let's tell people where they can find you. Uh first would be Luke Cogzest, L U C C O G Z E S T on Twitter. Yes. And then cogzest.com is a huge repository of writings and links. And is there anywhere else you want to mention?
1: Air projects. Well, that's that's the main thing. I'm on my I've got uh, the mysleepbutton.com website, which is my company called SciApps that runs that. And yeah, that's probably it. I mean, I've got other presences, academic, etc., but they can all be found quite easily through Google. Uh, if you put my initial, <laughs> Luke <laughs> P. Bodoin, there's lots of Luke Bodoin's out there.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right. And, uh, oh. and I'm Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff everywhere. And you can find me at brettterpstra.com. And be sure to check out the Systemcast Slack room, uh, which you can join at signup.systemcast.net. And uh, and yeah, that's uh, episode 187. Thanks again, Luke.
1: Thank you, Brett.
0: And we'll see everybody in a week.